0: let's go let's go you're about to experience action like you've never heard it before action sports celebrities badasses and massive interviews all coming to you from the polaris razor studio this is jim beaver's project action exclusively on podcast one Welcome, welcome to this week's edition of Project Action on Podcast One. Coming at you from, you guessed it, the Polaris Razor Studios. I am your host, Jim Beaver. We got a fun one, literally ridiculously fun interview for you guys today. I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. Stepping out of the box a bit, bringing in some star power. We have Mr. Chris Mazder. Yes, you remember him from the Winter Olympics a few months back. First American to ever take a medal in luge. Yes, that Chris Mazder. He is on Project Action this week. We're bringing you that interview. You are going to love it. We talk about the trials and tribulations of wanting to be the best in the United States at a sport that, uh, let's face it, gets its due about once every four years. Awesome talk with Chris. We also talk about his time, right, with Dancing with the Stars. That is going on right now. Chris Master talks about that, uh, you know, what it's like to come home to a hero's welcome, you know, being on TV every week, dancing. It's uh, it's one hell of an interview. Let's just put it that way. You guys are going to love it. Bring your Chris Master. You know, to you guys, stoked on that one. Uh, we got some amazing guests coming up on Project Action. Next week, we're going to have uh, an IndyCar episode uh, that's going to basically, you know, be a ton of drivers that I interviewed when I was out at Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the month of May. We've got Alexander Rossi, Graham Rahal, Zach Veach, Connor Daly, Robert Wickens. Um, it's just a, it's going to be an epic show next week, right? If you like IndyCars, Indy 500, you guys are going to love this one. Um, so we got that coming up. Some other amazing guests. Thank you guys for joining me just like you do each and every week. And, um, you know, if it's your first time joining me, thank you. If you've been here before, much appreciated. But please, go over to iTunes, make sure and subscribe to Project Action. Hit that subscribe button and make make sure you get every show beamed right to your iDevice, your computer, your phone, your tablet. Whatever it may be. It's the easiest way to get the show. Uh, you can also catch them at downanddirtyshow.com as well as podcast uh, uh, podcastone.com. And when you are there, please leave a rating or a review. Uh, you know, One through five stars won't tell you how to rate, rate me. If you leave a review, if you leave your Twitter, Instagram, at username uh, in the body of the review, and I see that on iTunes, I will follow you back on social media. It's the easiest way to get a follow from me. All I have to do is see that magical review with your name there. Boom. I will follow you on social media easy to get a follow from me uh make sure and follow me uh you know check me out on all forms of social media. It's at jim beaver 15 facebook instagram twitter i've also got a facebook group it's called jim beaver's action motorsports discussion we talk all things action sports and racing there um got my other show the down and dirty radio show powered by polaris razor Uh, it's available on itunes podcast one 200 networks around the country. Uh, my website, easy to get. That drops Tuesdays. It's all motorsport content, but uh, it's a ton of fun there. So thank you guys for tuning in. We got Chris Mazder coming up shortly. But before we get to that, i got to tell you about a couple of our amazing partners. You know, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what's it actually mean? Same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from TrueCar. Now you know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want including fees and accessories. Before you even get to the dealership, TrueCar dealers will show you the True Price on cars like the one you want. All from the comfort of your home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Well, it's because TrueCar shows you what other people paid for the same car that you want, and your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or a used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. And you know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up the milk, send some emails pay some bills. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance to that to-do list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off anything and you don't have to pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket just may be the most rewarding rewarding Thing that you do today and you know if you like this show project action check out the big podcast with Shaq every Monday at podcast one and he's not just talking sports from wacky news stories to dumb entertainment rumors Shaq is there making fun of it all check out the big podcast with Shaq at podcast one and apple podcasts and also remember to rate and review all right so uh, right now we are going to roll into uh, this interview with Chris Mazder right here on project action on podcast one I'd like to welcome my guest to the line this week, one of my guests to the line, chris masters, silver medalist at the Olympics, dancing with the stars i don't know we've uh, you're having one hell of a twenty eighteen my friend
1: yeah twenty eighteen has uh has definitely been pretty good um in two thousand and seventeen. if you would have said win Olympic medal or dancing with the stars like either one of those would have been a dream, but to have both of them yeah it's it's unreal
0: yeah. Well, and here's a question for you. I mean, you've been in the Olympics. You've been, been there. You've done that. This is the third time now. It's got to be a bit different feeling coming home with a, a medal around your neck and the reception when you get back to the United States. I mean, everybody's always proud of you. But when you've got that medal, like the media obligations start rolling in. And, I mean, what was the difference this year than the past, you know, the past two times you've been in the Olympics? Well,
1: yeah, obviously the goal is to go and win an Olympic medal. Uh, the thing about the Olympics is fourth place is the same as last place. It really does come down to getting a medal. So I, I grew up in an Olympic town, uh, Lake Placid, New York, where literally if you walk down Main Street, you're going to run into a, either a current Olympian or uh, an ex-Olympian. So to have a medal, um, it definitely distinguishes Um, who you are, but honestly, it's, it comes down to all of the years, my entire organization, all of my teammates, the generations before me, my medal was the first one in my discipline for the United States. And it really was this like culmination of so many people working so hard. So that's kind of what, what makes it different uh, coming back and finally having that accomplishment.
0: Well, in talking about that, I mean, you know, the U.S. in anything we do, you know, at an international level is always, you know, it's top notch, but... You know, what plays into that? Because, I mean, we've had some tremendous, you know, losers in the past for the United States. I mean, you know, but part of me wonders, you know, it's like we're so fractured in this country because we we do so many things. We do so many well. And I think some of the other countries, especially like the Nordic countries and things like that, they they just concentrate on one thing. Right. And everybody, it's all in one (laughs) specific things. I mean, what do you think plays into that? Because to me, it's like shocking. You know, it's amazing that you got the medal, but it's shocking that it hadn't happened before now.
1: Yeah, I guess uh, the sport of luge is is a um, European-dominated sport. So actually, I was the first non-European to win an Olympic medal in men's singles luge. And yeah, luckily for me, Lake Placid is a place where it is winter nine months out of the year. I mean, it snows in May, um, and also it can snow in October. So you never know what you're going to get, I guess especially Norway. Um, Norway is a country that is known for their winter Olympic sports. They're known for their skiing. So I guess it is a cultural thing. And yes, here in the United States, we love to do everything. Um, obviously the focal point is on, um, professional sports. You have like, you know, the, the major baseball, football, basketball, hockey, um, leagues that then feed through, you know, NCAA and and college. But when it comes to smaller Olympic sports, we at USA Luge, it it is difficult to recruit because we only have a few training sites. Um, There's no programs through college. So other countries do have programs for winter Olympic athletes in smaller sports. And in the US, the United States Olympic Committee basically takes over that role. And they do a fantastic job with what they have, but it's not government funded. Um, whereas other countries are government funded.
0: Yeah. What well, and how, what was your gateway? I mean, obviously, you know, you said you grew up, you know, very close to Lake Placid. Uh, Obviously, you know that's if you're going to luge in this country, that's where you want to be. I mean, so the gateway there was had to have been pretty easy. But I mean, what led you down that path? I mean, because there's a lot of winter sports, right? I mean, uh, you know, I know I read something at one point. You said uh, you know the line was shorter for luge than it was for bobsleds. That's kind of why you went that direction. But I mean, what was what was your gateway into it, man?
1: Yeah, so I think growing up uh, close to Lake Placid is special because you do have opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. I mean, I tried ski jumping as a kid, um, which I'm glad I didn't go with ski jumping because I'm more of an anchor than a feather. Uh, But having the Olympic facilities close by is such an advantage for young kids where you do get to try these obscure sports like bobsled, ski jumping, luge, and to me, luge was the ultimate sledding hill. I loved sledding as a kid. So at eight years old, I, uh, that, that was the minimum age to be in the, the local program for bobsled and luge. So at eight years old, I started going to the bobsled and luge track at Mount Van and in Lake Placid. And you're right, the bobsled line was longer, the turnover was slower, and you're only driving half the time. But with luge, if I ran from the bottom back to where I started, I could get seven, eight, nine runs a night, where with Bob said I'm only driving one or two. So for me, luge was the clear answer because it was ultimate sledding. And at the time as a kid, sledding was like so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 21 years later, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm still sledding. <laughs> uh,
0: no such thing as growing up, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 that's overrated.
0: Yeah, it's overrated. Well, you know, and I know, you know, you were, you know, really successful out of the gate. I know at 17 you you almost made the cut to the Olympics. I mean, uh what uh I mean, there was a couple of Olympics there, but kind of take me through the course of your career because, you know, there was a point between uh you know, in, in like 15 and 16, you really broke out, you know, and it was like you, you know, you upped your game. I mean, what happened in that time period? Because what did you have, like two 13th place finishes in the Olympics? And then it was like all of a sudden, like it was like a switch was flipped. What happened in your career, you know, that, that all of a sudden, and you see that with a lot of athletes, you know, in, in the stick and ball sports, you know, at one point it's like they have a breakout year. You know, you had that year. I mean, what what changed in your life or in your career there?
1: Yeah, so my luge career has been 21 years. Now, I started when I was eight years old, um, tried out for the development team when I was 11, made the development team when I was 12, and the coaches, for some reason, saw some sort of potential in me at that time, and at 13 years old, they actually took me to travel with the junior national team to Europe, so I was actually going to Europe at 13 years old with a bunch of 18, 19-year-old kids, needless to say, I grew up very quick, um, being thrown into that environment. Um, I had a really successful junior career. Um, I, I won a lot of world cups, uh, won like the 17 and under category, uh, one year only finished second, uh, in the singles category. And, And so basically when I was 17 years old, 16, I should say, like I was still a junior, Um, and that was the year before the 2006 Olympics. And at the time, like I was doing okay, but I never in a million years thought I'd be going to the Olympics in 2006. But that summer, um, they asked the potential Olympic team, you know, do you want to go to Italy for a start training trip? I'll be absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll make the Olympic team. I'll go to that. Um, San Diego for a trip. And then that next season I, I don't exactly know, you're right. All of a sudden, like I came back onto the ice and things started to feel more natural, where before you're you know you're still learning, you're not very proficient, but all of a sudden you just it becomes instinct. And once it starts to become natural, that's when like big changes start happening. So actually, um, I was probably ranked eighth or ninth and probably ninth in the country in two like two thousand and five, and then I missed the two thousand and six Olympic team by one spot. And it was with a race off with a, a guy who was nine years older than I was. Um, and I only lost by a tenth of a second. And that was kind of when I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty serious. This is when I think I, this is, this is the path that I want to take for the rest of, you know, at least my athletic career. Um, and then when I was 21, I made the Olympic team. And during the Olympics, I had my best result, which was 13th place. Then we actually, uh, in the U S we made a complete coaching change. Uh, we didn't have any foreign coaches and it was actually, I was off of this high, right? Like I've been, I've been going on my entire junior career. I get 13th place in my first Olympics. Luge is an experience based sport where for instance, in the 2014 Olympics in Sochi, two guys were over 40 years old. Both of them won Olympic medals because it's an experience based sport when you're going down the track you are reacting um, faster than you can think. So all of the experience of your career, knowing how the sled feels, knowing how to make those subtle slight changes like in the moment is really advantageous to your time. You're never going to have a perfect luge run. So basically it comes down to the person that can fix the mistakes the fastest. That's uh, that's really what makes a good luge athlete because things are going to get offline and it might not look it to like the naked eye, but we're fighting the entire way down the track and it really does come down to experience. Obviously you need a really good start. You need really good equipment, but you also have to take the sled down the track. So, um, when I was 21 years old, finished 13th, the next four years were really rough. Um, I didn't finish better than 17th in a world cup. We started changing our equipment, and that was uh, really frustrating where I felt like I should have been much better. Um, But then we actually started working with Dow Chemical uh, with our current head sponsor, Norton St. Cobain. And then in one year, we we tried this new sled. And pretty much overnight, I finished sixth place at World Championships when I was 25. Um, And then going into the next season, we made more equipment modifications, Uh, and then I finished no worse than fifth overall in the world. Uh, and I actually finished third overall in the world one year. So it was, uh, it, it really does come down to the, to the relationship between your athletic ability and your equipment, um, and the balance of, of that relationship where we rely on the subtlest inputs of our sled from the track. And then we make these really small corrections. With our shoulders, with our handles, with our legs, with our entire body. So it's that relationship that's really important. So I finished the 2015-2016 year, ranked third overall in the world, uh, won a couple of World Cups, was like on top of the world, on top of the luge world, and uh, then the past two years, actually, I kind of fell back into a little bit of a slump where we we made some more equipment modifications and it didn't feel right. And the problem is we couldn't go back because we, uh, in order to get to where we were currently, we basically had to change the sled. So, you know, the whole motto of like, you know, don't fix it if it isn't broken, definitely applies, but we, uh, we went to fix it and, uh, it wasn't broken. So kind of ran into a wall the last two years. And it wasn't until a couple of weeks before the Olympics where, uh, I got really fortunate with being able to, you know, rely on other countries for some advice on on sleds, and uh, yeah, made some quick changes before the Olympics. Finished sixth the the World Cup leading up to the last games, and then just had the race of my life in the Olympics and finished second. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and I know going back, you know, it's interesting. You said you relied on some of the guys in the other countries and some of the teams and things like that. And I know, you know, kind of reading, you know, in some of the stuff you've said in the past, you said one thing you really like about Lou is you're competing against all these other athletes in all these other countries, but you're not competing at the same time. So you've developed some really solid friendships with guys that you're competing against, but it's not, you know, it's not like you guys are running at the same time. So you can you can be happy for somebody else, you know?
1: Yeah, I I really think that is the beauty of the sport, where it's it's me versus the clock, uh, essentially. And you know, uh, one of my competitors isn't going to, you know, affect that necessarily. Yeah. So when it comes to going down the track, it's, it's it's me, my sled, and going as fast as possible. Yeah, there's there's jealousy, obviously. Um, you know, some people are doing well, but at the end of the day, um, we really do get along and. We are friends. We've been doing the sport for, you know, some of us have been traveling together for almost 16 years. So you build that relationship at a young age, traveling to Europe with, uh, you know, guys from Canada, uh, Norway, Germany, Russia, Italy, and yeah, you, you stay friends. So at the end of the day, like if you see someone struggling, it's like, okay, like you'll help them out a little bit because at the end of the day, it's like you want to beat them like when they're at your best. So yeah. it does come down to the mentality that, it's just me being at my best, and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: Well, and, and you know, obviously we'll talk Dancing with the Stars in a minute. We, we're definitely going to talk Dancing with the Stars, but kind of closing <laughs> out the, the lose side of things. I mean, you, you know, you've got a silver medal, and I know, you know, a lot of Americans it's say – Lose just one of those sports in bobsled and, you know, and whether it be even summer, like you've got things like, you know, swimming and things like that. It's a four, you know, it happens every single year, but a lot of Americans, they tune in about once every four years, you know, uh, what is next for you? I mean, obviously you've got a silver medal. You'd love to turn that thing into a gold at some point. I mean, what's the next, you know, few years look like, you know, in, in your career, you know, to get to the next Olympics and, and compete for gold?
1: Yeah. So you're right. The Olympics are every four years, but we have nine world cups and world championships every year. Uh, And everyone's pretty much tuning in every four years. So yeah, that's some added pressure right there. But my goal is to go back to Beijing. I mean, I was 26,000th of a second away from gold. Uh, The sport really does come down to the thousandth of a second. So that's after four runs, 26,000th of a second. Um, But yeah, my goal is to compete uh, in Beijing 2022 so, uh, obviously, that team will not be named until the year before. So, yeah. it's, uh, it's right back to the grind, working working out, working on the sled, and, uh, yeah, improving just that little bit.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of working out, um, Dancing with the Stars, I, I know I've got some friends that, uh, you know, have tried professional dancing, and I've interviewed a couple guys, uh, IndyCar drivers in the past that have gone on uh, – dancing with the stars. Tell me about the training you've had to do for that compared to what you do for lose. Cause you're a fit, you're an in-shape guy, but dancing's like a whole nother level, right?
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, the, the hardest
0: thing about dancing,
1: especially dancing with the stars is the fact that I've never danced before in my life. <laughs> like literally I'm coming in at the ground level the and wolves. expected to perform in front of millions <laughs> of people like two and a half weeks later. So for me, that's, that's tough. Um, it's, completely different the way my body has to move um, now all of a sudden there's this dynamic where I have a partner and it's not just an individual sport so physically it's not I mean it is demanding because we're you know we're training from for four to eight hours um today is gonna be what we have six hours planned so I mean yes that is physical we do take breaks um, but what's more difficult is mentally um, yeah. being able to to, to handle all of this mentally being able to learn the steps and memorize the steps. Cause that's something I've never done before. So I'm really reteaching my body how to train and it's so frustrating, <laughs> especially on a tight, uh, time, time uh, timetable.
0: I was going to say, you know, and I, I watched obviously the first episode, congrats for, uh, not being one cut. I guess that's probably going in. That was gotta be one of the goals, right? I don't want to get cut in the first episode.
1: Yeah, well, and this is a shortened season, so two people are going home. Yeah. So it's like it's even more intense. It's all or nothing right away, right from the start. Yeah,
0: well, I don't know a lot about dancing, but I got to tell you, I was impressed, man. I think you did tremendous. Uh, you 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 went on to the next round, uh, and knowing you only had a couple of weeks to train. I mean, because I put myself in your shoes. I you know I'm a professional race car driver by trade. Like me going over there would be like. I've never danced. I mean, I danced at my wedding, right? That's about the the extent of it. Uh, yeah. I would yeah, have...
1: yeah. I'll, I'll say this. I've never danced sober yeah. pretty much.
0: That, that would be, that would be me right there. So it's like, I'm putting myself, <laughs> I'm putting myself in your shoes going, yeah, this, this probably wouldn't, wouldn't end well. And for you to excel like you have like, dude, props to you, man. That's you're putting in the work. I can tell that already.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, they're definitely putting in the work. I mean, that's the thing. Like as an athlete, we're competitive, like by nature. So it's like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it a hundred percent. So it's like, okay, the hardest part is making like the decision, like, okay, am I going to do this? All right. Now the work begins.
0: Yeah. Well, and you know, I think anybody that's an athlete, you know, enjoys a challenge. And I know, even looking and I know, you know, reading some of the interviews and stuff like that, when he said like she didn't take it easy on you, I mean, she made it a challenge and she threw you into the deep end of the pool and, you know, and obviously you're swimming, but that's, you know, it's got to feel good on your part knowing, hey, like this is, you know, you know, we're, we're it, you know, we're doing this at, you know, not, not baby steps. We're doing this at, you know, it, this is the real deal at a, you know, in an elite level.
1: No, abs- absolutely. It, uh, it it does feel good when, when you challenge yourself and you like overcome that challenge. I mean, that's just like, uh, that's something that everyone enjoys. Uh, I think the hardest thing about this season is because it is so short where there's no time to build up. Typically, all right, you're going to be doing a more difficult dance after seven, eight weeks of learning yeah. dance, where that's not the case. This is two weeks. Like, so we're doing for week two, uh, a Viennese waltz. So, week one we had two weeks to learn one dance week two we have one week to learn two dances um there's a team dance and we're doing a waltz and it's just technical footwork it's completely different than the salsa and my friends are like all right chris like you know you set the bar here you just have to do a little bit better and i'm like no you guys you don't get it like i'm doing a totally different dance i have to reset like i am literally starting from ground zero again like (laughs) building up this dance it's not like oh like smooth sailing ever. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, I think the most difficult challenge that I wasn't expecting, um, was to basically have to reset every week. All right, you did this now forget it. Do this brand new dance.
0: Yeah. Well, and I got to ask you, so you're, you know, you're, you're talking salsa, you're talking waltz, you're talking these different types of dances before this whole experience. Did you have any idea what any of those were?
1: No, I I didn't. And I didn't. There's rules. There's rules to like every dance. I'm like, oh, it'd be so cool to put a lift. They're like, no, we actually, we can't do a lift. Like, what do you mean you can't do a lift? Like, it's part of the rules. And I'm like, oh yeah, ballroom dancing has rules. There's competition. So I mean,
0: yeah, learning all of these things that I had no idea about. Yeah, the politics of dancing you never even knew existed, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The politics of dancing. Yeah. <laughs> Just move the hips and your feet a little bit. You're fine, right? That's what dancing is. Oh, no, okay, there's a rule book. All right, we have to follow the rules.
0: Yeah, that goes back to our unsober dancing, right? We, there's no rules. You just do what you want. What feels yeah, no. good, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, <laughs> great catching up. I mean, uh, you know, we'll be tuned into uh, Dancing with the Stars uh, for sure. You know, c- you know. Hopefully, you guys can keep rolling through there, you and Whitney, and uh, you know, make make your way to the final. I guess. So we're, uh, I guess like you said, it's expedited. We'll know shortly, right? I guess. The, it, it, yeah. You know, we'll, good news. It's not prolonged. Yeah, we'll know
1: shortly. <laughs> Oh, boy. But anyways, you have to, guys, you have to uh, vote for Team Move It or Lose It, uh, Mondays on ABC. And yeah, the thing is, I want to stick around because now there's this expectation that I have to dance at everyone's wedding. But really, I only know how to salsa in with someone else. So the more that I make it through the show, the more dances I learn, the more I'm not going to make a fool out of myself at my friend's wedding. So. Yeah. That's why I really need to stay on the show. Yeah, it's one of those, <laughs> you see,
0: anytime you go to a wedding, Whitney's just going to have to start traveling with you. <laughs> so, yeah, you all right, we, we, I'm going to a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Book your plane. We're going to a wedding. Uh, but <laughs> all right, well, I appreciate the time, Chris, man. Always good catching up. Good luck on dancing with the stars, and uh, we'll definitely talk soon.
1: All right, sounds good. Have a great day. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, thank you. Big thanks to Chris Master for taking the time to call into the show uh you know guess a busy man right uh come home a hero's welcome dancing with the stars uh stoked to be able to catch up with him that's one i think we can do a round two of at some point in the future i uh i think there's more to the chris master story that's for sure but uh thank you guys for uh taking the time to uh tune into the show i've got um man just a, a busy busy couple of weeks ahead of me uh we've got uh obviously indy 500 coming up i'm gonna be in charlotte at uh, the General Tire ARCA 150, as well as NASCAR Coke 600 qualifying. Uh, So that's coming up. Um, I've got, uh, we've got Baja 500. I've got trips to take, meetings, interviews, television that we haven't even talked about that I'm going to be doing, uh, a hosting job I took. So, Man, we got a lot crammed into the next month. So, uh, you know, whether you're listening to Project Action or the Down and Dirty Radio Show, thank you. Uh, once again, please go and subscribe on iTunes to both shows. Leave a rating or a review. Much appreciated. Follow me on social media at Beaver 15 uh, Big thanks to GEICO as well as my good friends at True Car for their support of Project Action. Um, it's uh, been one hell of a ride, man. Thank you guys for uh, joining me on this uh, journey we call life uh, through uh, my crazy audio content. But uh, uh, be safe. As always, game on.